page 479, A Promised Land by Barack Obama. In a sense, Singapore remained exceptional. Most of the other ASEAN countries still struggled with varying levels of entrenched poverty, just as their commitment to democracy and the role of law remained wildly uneven. One thing they seemed to have in common, though, was a shift in how they imagined themselves. The people I talked to, whether heads of state, business people, or human rights activists, remained respectful of American power, but they no longer viewed the West as the center of the world with their own countries inalterably cast as bit players. Instead, they considered themselves at least equal to their former colonizers. Their dreams for their people no longer capped by geography or race. As far as I was concerned, that was a good thing, an extension of America's faith in the dignity of all people and a fulfillment of the promise we'd long made to the world. Follow our lead, liberalize your economies, and hopefully your governments and you too can share in our prosperity. <coughs> like Japan and South Korea, more and more. Japan and South Korea more and more ASEAN countries had taken us at our word. It was part of my job as U.S. President to make sure that they played fair, that their markets were as open to us as our markets were to them, that they continued a development they continued development did not depend on exploiting their workers or destroying the environment. So long as they competed with us on a level playing field, I considered Southeast Asia's progress something for America to welcome, <coughs> not fear. I wonder now whether that's what conservative critics found so objectionable about my foreign policy, why something as minor 
as a bow to the Japanese Empire Emperor could trigger such rage, I did not seem threatened as they were by the idea that the rest of the world was catching up to us. <coughs> Excuse me, Shanghai, our first stop in China, seemed like Singapore on steroids. Visually, it lived up to the hype, a sprawling modern metropolis of 20 million cacophonous, cacophonous souls. Every inch of its bustling with commerce, every inch of it bustling with commerce, traffic, construction cranes, huge ships and barges loaded with goods bound for the world, for the world's <coughs> markets glided up and down the Wang Pu, throngs of people, strolled along the expansive river walk, stopping every so often to admire the futuristic skyscrapers that stretched in all directions and at night were as bright as the Las Vegas Strip. At an ornate banquet hall, the mayor of the city, an up-and-comer in the Communist Party, who... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me, who with his tailored suit and jaunty sophistication somehow reminded me of Dean Martin, pulled out all the stops for a luncheon between our delegations in Chinese and American business leaders with rare delicacies and wine pairings that would suit a high-end wedding at the Ritz. Reggie Love, my ever-constant body man, was most impressed with a waist staff made up, weight staff made up entirely of stunning young women in flowing white gowns as slender and tall as runway models. Quote, who knew communists look like that? He said, shaking his head. The contradiction between China's official ideology and such conspicuous displays of wealth did not come up when I met with 
several hundred college students at a town hall that same day. The Chinese authorities, wary of my usual unscripted format, had hand-picked the participants from some of Shanghai's most elite universities and Although they were courteous and enthusiastic, their questions had little of the probing, irreverent quality that I was used to hearing from youth in other countries. Quote, so what measures will you take to deepen this close relationship between cities of the United States and China, end quote, was about as tough as it got. I could not decide whether party officials had pre-screened all the questions or the students just knew better than to say anything that could land them in hot water.